Um, I'm Bunny Terry. I am joined by my producer and co-host, Johanna Medina. And wow, do we have a treat for you today, right, Johanna? Yeah, I. this was such an amazing interview. I even told our guest at the end, I was like, sometimes I jump in and I like to talk too, or I have questions, but I just was enjoying listening to him so much. I mean, he does have a very nice accent, but he also was saying some incredible things. Like I felt like I was just like, wow, wow, every time. And then, you know, you you both, um, you know, like you said before, you come from very similar mindsets. So it was really, I had I enjoyed just listening to you guys talk. And I think this will be an episode. I almost want to just listen to it again, like in slow motion and, you know, take more more notes. It's one of those that I'll probably listen to a few times, but um, yeah, such a great guest. And I'll, I'll let you actually introduce who he is. <laughs> well, our, our guest is Daniel Mangana, and he is a best selling author. He's a radio host. He's an international speaker, a master money manifester, is what he calls himself. And he's the creator of something that he calls the Beyond Inter- Intention Paradigm. He's completely self made, and he spent decades perfecting his world-class coaching to help others live an abundant, joyful, purpose-driven life. And he's very clear that he came to this success almost by mistake. Um, He um, did not obviously start where he is now, um, but he has learned um, after being diagnosed with Asperger's and attempting but failing at suicide how to create this, this um, method of, of exploring how mindset works and how being intentional works and taking um, action and being grateful can change lives. Um, His focus is on financial success. He's very clear that that's because it is an understood medium in the world for success. And it's a way to exchange um, your time for um, well, you can exchange your money for more time for um, more purpose. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm so excited for you to hear this because he's really, really in the business of helping others to success in relationships in their lives um, financially. But um, what an amazing. Um, what what an amazing conversation we got to have. It, it, yeah, I'm so grateful. We're lucky that we got to have him on and I'm excited. Hopefully get to talk to him again soon. Um, and then also, you know, he mentioned at the beginning that he has a, his TED Talk coming out. And so hopefully that will be, I don't know if it will be out before the episode comes out, but um, I will do my best to add a link to that. But definitely, you know, like, as, as we always do, check the links in the description and on Bunny's website to find out more about Daniel because he's he's doing a lot in the world. And of course, um, you kind of mentioned it, but I just definitely want to give, you know, a little trigger warning that Daniel does talk about suicide and, you know, it's a big part of his story. And it's kind of a, I don't know, kind of a launching off point that he and he talks about how his mindset changed and how that really like launched him into all this this other success and but yeah it's it's just it's just a part in there so well and and i would say stick stick around till the end because um one of the questions i asked him before we began recording was um whether he would share with our listeners the best way to put his um thoughts and his the things that he's learned to work in 2022 so he gives us some really um really concrete tips for making a big change in your life in 2022. So um, take a look. He even has the gall to at one point say stop meditation, but then he explains that. So we love, um, I, I, I love that he sometimes um, um, speaks against the norm, but um, we, we get to talk to a lot of interesting people here. I just wanna say thanks to everybody who takes the time to listen to subscribe and to rate us. You are the lifeblood of what we're doing. And, you know, we have more downloads every week. So this this is exciting work and I'm so grateful for everybody being here. Thanks for checking in. 
I'm so excited that you're here, Daniel. Um, and, and do you prefer that I call you Dan or Daniel? Can I tell you a secret? Absolutely. Um, I actually always, I used Dan for years and then I was at a networking event in my, for my old business in London, a bank in London, and one of the secretaries was like, you're really doing yourself a disservice by making your name sound so colloquial. You really should be using <laughs> Daniel. And I thought, oh my God, <laughs> okay, so I changed everything. So for years I was Dan um, and that's why the podcast, which was initially from my old business, is Do It With Dan, but officially now it's... Daniel everywhere but I'm from East London so I've been a Dan forever so well we're very excited to have you here um Happy to, to our guests who um don't know Daniel Mangana hope I said that correctly is perfectly, um, perfectly executed <laughs> he is a um I I could sort of a force of nature um um very um a very accomplished writer speaker leader uh in, in particular a thought leader and um and really um I, I feel a kindred spirit all about having a positive impact on his world and helping people find their absolute best life and so um i know people are not here to listen to me so much as they are um about you but i know I want to hear. I want to hear what you have to say about intention and about alignment and actions and affirmations and getting past blame. But before we get to all that, I want people to know exactly who you are. You've you've had some phenomenal success, but but I don't. You didn't begin in that place, no. and and you you didn't start in this place of power where you find yourself today. So talk to our listeners just as though they've never heard of you and and let mm. us know where you began and what your story is well the timing of us recording this in december is fortuitous because i just a week and a half ago recorded my ted talk which will be out this week or next week and so i go into a lot of the back story um i'm gonna get the title wrong but um it's what suicide taught me about life is what wow. my TED Talk is entitled. Um, yeah, you're right. People do, oh, you've got it so easy. You do this, you do that. You're everywhere. They see me on TV. They see me doing all this. It's like, yeah, but it was an accident. And when I say that, people are like, what do you mean? What do you mean it was an accident? I accidentally overanalyzed myself out of suicide. And as a byproduct of spending time consumed with not failing at suicide on top of everything else that I'd failed at up to that point, I really just reprogrammed my mind by accident. I, I wasn't trying to save myself. I was trying to end my own life. And in the process of doing so, I was spending hours a day, hours and hours a day reading through books. I taught myself to transliterate Arabic and Hebrew. I was reading ancient texts. I was going back over tapes and listening to stuff because I had to find out what had gone wrong. So to backtrack to the chapter before this in my life, um, I was a precocious teenager. I made my first million when I was 19 years old. 16, 17, I was reading Think and Grow Rich. I was ordering tapes from Nightingale Conant and teach myself accelerated learning techniques um, so I could consume more information. Um, I was diagnosed with Asperger's at 27 years old, so I didn't understand at that time that the reason why I was operating the way I did was because of how I'm wired. But I was able to create a lot of success very young. Um, I promptly lost everything that I'd made. I think I was a millionaire for about eight months and then I was broke. Um, that's another story that doesn't really fit with wow. today. But then I went off and built everything up again and then I was able to keep it for about a year that time before everything got stolen from me the second time. And I hit rock bottom because so much of my identity was tied up in what I had achieved and created. I didn't have the natural wiring for social dynamics, which is one of the shortfalls, one of the short straws I got with my Asperger's. And so all of these relationships and connections I had with other people, my entire identity was built up on me being useful because I was the guy that could help you be successful if you went into business with him and so on and so forth. When that was gone, as disastrously as it was, I was like, oh my God, have I been have I been deluded running around thinking that because I believed I'd had the secret source for how to create anything and I, I had been you know I had the mind touch anything that I'd 
touched had gone well until everything just completely imploded. And so the only reason why I didn't make an actual attempt at suicide is because I thought, well, I didn't like the odds of me pulling off the suicide and not failing. I was in the UK, I didn't have a gun. If I had, if I had access to a gun, thank God I didn't have access to a gun because a gun to the head, I felt confident. That's the only thing that I felt confident about. Cutting my wrists, I'd seen too many. Cut marked wrists, I didn't want to have a permanent reminder of that failure. I didn't want to wake up in a hospital bed with my stomach pumped and people feeling sorry for me. I didn't want to have to put someone through having to cut me down from hanging myself. And so I said, well, I've got, to, I've got to get over this limiting belief about suicide and I've got to make sure that I pull this off successfully. And so my brain, because of how it's wired, went and said, okay, well, we need to look at everything that we knew and find out where the missing links were, what had gone wrong. Because what I taught myself before had worked up to a point, but it stopped working. So where were those missing links? And so I went off on this journey to fill in those gaps with how I quote unquote manifested outcomes and the byproduct is the work that I do today. Because many years later, I woke up and realized, hang on a minute, I rebuilt my life. Um, I built up another business. I had healthy relationships with people around me. I was taking care of my body. I was traveling and enjoying my life. Oh my God. So there was no light bulb moment. It's like, oh, I choose life now. It kind of just meandered into it. And that's how I've come now to understand the importance of our environment, how that impacts our mind, how that Im impacts the choices that we make, how that impacts our emotional state, our actions and behaviors, and the life that we live. Uh, so that's that. That reminds me. I just did a podcast where I reflected on the things that I've learned, and um, it's it's that Seth Godin um, statement that he who fails the most wins. And so mm -hmm. you failed at suicide. So here you are <laughs> yeah. winning. So, here I am. so that's yeah. the good news. Um, mm. I if, if you. If someone were beginning with you today, if somebody mm -hmm. were beginning um, a journey with you today to, to learn the best way to mm -hmm. live their most intentional life, what, what's, what's the start? What, what do people have to put aside and what do they have to, to also gain in order to understand the things, the things that you've learned or what mm -hmm. you're teaching? Well, first and foremost, the, the, the thing I'd like to see them drop is any idea that cookie cutter approach is going to be successful because we're all individuals. One of the things that I've seen, I mean, in varying degrees, I've been in this kind of information now 22 years, 21, 22 years. I started quite young, as I said. And I've seen people win and I've seen people not win. And what I've seen is that people that try and force something to work for them don't normally get any success. I've seen people that have understood this concept and applied it and adapted things to themselves. And I've seen people that have just found themselves in things that work. To take this to business, for example, or to entrepreneurship, there are people that will try a particular strategy, you know, the latest funnel hack or the latest Dubri what's it or whatever the thing is, and it works for some people and it doesn't work for others. And what we've developed over the last couple of years is a concept that I call money DNA, which is applicable to other things, but money DNA is what we call it, where you look at where that natural groove exists and then you simply look for the teachers, the modalities, the methods that match that natural flow. Does that mean that we don't go and expand and grow? No, but we look to build a base on where we actually have a natural flow. So the first thing I would say is drop the idea of the cookie cutter approach. Look for where your strengths are, where you've had experience and evidence of flow and look into that. Some people, for example, said, oh, I can't meditate, I've tried to meditate. Well, maybe meditation is not for you. Maybe there's something else, another activity that brings you to a state, a meditative state where you can have the benefits. We've seen people that have said, you know, I, I've tried yoga. Well, maybe yoga is not for you, <laughs> right? Leave those things alone. So drop the cookie cutter approach and then get very, very, very clear on what you want. Now, I know this has been, you know, washed and, oh, yeah, yeah. No, but we spend so much time living our life based on what other people, places and things have trained us to believe that we want. That's where I believe a lot of midlife crisis concepts and ideas come from or people that find that they're meaning, you know, everything they've created is meaningless. Look at all these celebrities that achieve the heights of success and then go on and are successful in their suicide or find themselves lost in drunk, drink and, and drugs. And it's because I believe they've spent so much time building towards something that they didn't actually choose. So start asking yourself what's yours and what's other people's. And and I want I, I want to stop there for just a minute. You said a great thing, and now I and I'm sorry I didn't write it down, but you said I believe a midlife crisis is 
What was mm-hmm. the statement she said? It's I believe a midlife crisis is people spending, you know, a few decades building up a life that they haven't actually consciously decided is theirs. People dedicate resources to a career. Uh, some people even go and start a family and realize that's not what they want to do. Or they go and get the white picket fence and realize they really want to live in the jungle. And that's why I feel people then go off and find themselves in all kinds of um, addictions, uh, going to buy a motorcycle, leaving a career, walking away from family, infidelity. I think it's the the breaking point gets reached where someone else's story, you can't keep living that anymore. And so we, we, we lash out. And when I first started coaching, that's what I was working with people that were going through that space, either a midlife crisis or they saw the impending change and wanted to start writing life on their own terms. And that's where the work actually that I do with people began. So, so if you're, I mean, whether you're 20 years old or 40 mm-hmm. years old, knowing what it is that you want, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a huge, that's a huge exercise. I know because mm-hmm. I've, I've studied it as well. You know, you have to mm-hmm. know what your aiming point is before you can mm-hmm. go there. Mm-hmm. And, and you can't choose an aiming point that is something you've been given by somebody else. I think that's a really, that's really hard for somebody to know what their aiming point is. Mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, we, we've, we've created a lot of tools to support people in being able to find that. And there's some great resources out there. Um, I think someone made something called a life book where you can actually ask yourself certain questions and explore what it is for you. But um, I think once someone's rejected the cookie cutter approach, once somebody understands just how much of our mind is actually preset with content that was fed into it that we had no say in and then starts to explore those and just question is that mine is this mine is this something that I desire does this actually light me up or am I doing it from a sense of obligation or a sense of duty Um, and there's more questions that unfold from that that we can explore later down the line but you know am I ready to let go of duty do I love myself enough to do what makes me happy have I even explored what it means to be happy am I ready to let go of my commitment to being unhappy all of these questions come up and there's a journey for all of them. But I'd say, yeah, definitely these, these two first steps are a great place to start. You, you talk about um, the subconscious mind. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's um, a, a tool that people, well, first of all, people don't understand it. Mm-hmm. Can, you, can you talk to our listeners a little bit about the, the, how the subconscious, how, how our subconscious works mm-hmm. and what we need to do to first put a lid on it, but then to understand <laughs> how to work, make it work in our favor. I think, I mean, we could talk for hours about mm-hmm. the subconscious. I just, I don't want to miss that point. Sure. I think it's really important for mm-hmm. people. I just want to clarify, I'm not a uh, quote unquote expert in the subconscious um, as part of the doctorate that I'm putting together at the moment, my thesis. We are exploring some things to do with neuroscience. And so I have been diving into that. But my experience around the subconscious is spending about 15 years exploring hypnosis, NLP, and other things around the mind and also personal experience. I just want to qualify that um, before beginning. Sure. When I'm talking about the subconscious mind, we're looking at the part of our brain that does most of the heavy lifting. I think it's Bruce Lipton that said about 95, 97% of the time, we're operating on programs set there at the unconscious level. Uh, I don't remember where I got this number from, but as much as 70% of that program also happens between the ages of two and seven. So 70% of the thing that's running our life, 97% of the time for many of us, we didn't even have a stake in. But there's a beauty to that because I don't know about you, but I didn't just tell my heart to start beating, right? That was part of the code that God dropped in when I, you know, when I was created, that they're doing its thing. The telomeres in my DNA strands that keep me growing and stay, keep me alive. I didn't have anything to do with that. I didn't tell my lungs to breathe. I didn't tell the cells to replicate. So there is a lot of very important processing that happens. But for many of us, because we've spent so much time unconscious to what's happening in the unconscious, a lot of our everyday activities that do have a direct impact on the life that we live, we haven't taken up the opportunity to have a stake in. And as a result, we're living a life that was given to us instead of a life that we're consciously involved in the creating of. So um, so instead of choosing, mm-hmm. we're reacting. Reacting, playing so I, out. Yeah. I mean, the, the unconscious mind moves at 10,000 to 10 million times the speed of the conscious mind. I think the limbic reptilian part of the brain is as much as 10 million times the speed of the conscious mind that that's operating on. So for every conscious thought we have about what we think we want, 
the unconscious has already undertaken 10,000 to 10 million thoughts and processes before that, which is why it's so important that the, the time that we spend supporting or disrupting what's happening in the con unconscious, that we have a conscious stake in ensuring that points to what we want. In my case, like I said, that's what saved my life, that I spent so much time pummeling myself, my mind, with a particular quality of input that the program that was sitting in there got rewritten on the back of that content and then my unconscious process led to me unconsciously choosing life as a result and we can start to do that with other things too uh, and we can pay attention to how we most optimally receive those inputs so one of the things that we look at with money dna is your love language people like what does love language have to do with it well your love language says how you receive loving energy how it's communicated to you so if we're looking at inputting a new expansive program then why not start transmitting it in a way that we actually understand? So my top love languages are acts of service and quality time. And so I ensure that a lot of the heavy lifting in terms of positive inputs for me, I hire people to put it into me so that I receive as an act of service that loving communication. With the quality time, I set time aside for my personal development, for my self-care, because that actually helps me to feel the energy of it more impactfully. If someone has words of affirmation, they're most susceptible to self-talk having an impact on them because words carry more meaning for them. So understanding just these little parts of yourself can mean that you can start to set up your environment to support you in having the inputs that will support the program that leads to the outcome that you want. That's really interesting because part of one of my one of my love languages is words of affirmation because mm -hmm. I you know I grew up in a household where my father told me every day mm -hmm. how smart, Amazing. how clever, how wonderful, how loved I was. Mm -hmm. And so I still mm -hmm. need that. And, and I found that for me, one of the things that makes that that contributes to my success is creating affirmations for myself mm. all the time. But I have to tell you, I didn't know that mm -hmm. until about seven or eight years ago. I didn't, mm -hmm. I didn't even know that success was attainable mm -hmm. until a, a specific period in my life when I learned that mindset and understanding how your own mind works is such a huge piece of success. Mm -hmm. And so I guess I want, I want, I want people to hear that if they're struggling, if they feel like they're in survival mode, mm -hmm. there are ways. Mm -hmm to change those patterns mm -hmm. and and your mind is the most powerful uh, that is the most powerful tool you have most powerful uh, tool. right yeah i mean so in the work that i do i teach a concept called the flow funnel which looks at us as holistic beings so we we're not just you know a body moving through time and space we're not just an energy or a spirit although you know science has measured that that aspect exists also we're also that mind that mental aspect and all three of these things work in concert but there's mind over matter and the way that we can actually direct the, the different inputs to change the spiritual aspect still come through the mind. So the mind is a connective tissue to all of these pieces. I love to call it the gatekeeper to experience. So when we have a very conscious relationship with what's going on in our mind, which we can do through our inputs, we can do through how we're spending our time on a day-to-day -day basis, we have the power to start directing a snowball effect of an expansive spirit, therefore perpetuates a cycle of ongoing positive thought which impacts choices, actions, and behaviors, which again, 97% of the time are running unconsciously, which then is our, our life. Our life is the sum of the experiences that we're experiencing through the lens that we're experiencing it through and from the habits that we're unconsciously most of the time spitting out into that environment. So, so what do you think holds people back? I mean, mm -hmm. if we, if, if, if we understand this, what uh, you, you do, you talk about setting aside blame. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> what are, what are the pieces that you got that you have to put aside before, before you can start reaching full empowerment mm. or, or intentional living? What are some of the things that, that are important for people to set aside? So the result of the years that I spent on the journey, um, and particularly when I started to, to come to conscious relationship with what I'd been through, was my, my book, Stepping Beyond Intention, which is my current signature book. Um, and in there, I share the four-step model that I backtracked and saw to be the, the, the phases that I went through on the journey to rebuilding my life and now you know, when depression tries to creep in, um, when stress and anxiety start to creep in, and when I'm even working with people and helping them to create outcomes, it's the same four steps I use all the time. And the first of those is accept. <laughs> accept that I'm the author and creator of my life. Now, when I say that people sometimes get upset, they say, well, what about the child that's starving 
in a war zone. What about this? What about that? Well, let's put this into context. We have things that are in the environment and we have things within our direct control. I think I don't remember who created the concept of circles of influence, but even the things coming from our environment, we still have a choice about how we respond to them and how we move as a result of any lessons or uh, learnings that we get from the experience that we have that thing that impact us going forward. So there's always something that we consciously have in terms of our relationship to the situation. But to bypass all of that, I just invite people to look at a very, very simple mathematical equation. If you know 20 people, that's 20 different relationships of different substances. You are the common denominator with every single one of those 20 relationships. So you can go through the process of blaming that person for the substance of the relationship, waiting for them to change or trying to force them to change and do that 20 times and burn out. Or you can change yourself and by virtue of the fact that you are the common thread in every single one of those relationships, every single one of those relationships must change to some degree. It's the same in our life. We are the common denominator, the only one in every experience. Your mum was there when you were born, but she won't be there for every moment of your life. Even if you're an identical twin, you guys may do everything together, but you're certainly not dreaming together. So there are things that people might be there for, but there's only you for everything. So the most logical place to start with a change that's going to have the most impact in your life is with you. So even if someone's not prepared to accept my extreme level of responsibility acceptance, you are the common denominator the most logical place to start with any change and the place where a change will have the most far-reaching impact. So I know that's step one. <laughs> and, and I, man, I, lo I, love the, I love this paradigm, the beyond in intention paradigm, because there is a step three that speaks directly to what I sort of <laughs> I devote, devote my life to. But, um, but I do, I, you know, um, the, um, yeah, uh, this is a great line. I mean, we are the common denominators in our lives. If we want a definitive change, then within mm -hmm. is, uh, you say a good place, but I'd say uh, it seems like the only place to start. I don't like I mean, to talk in absolutes, but between me oh, and you and the goalposts, between I'm, me and you and the goalposts, yeah. <laughs> just thinking, yeah, it's, I mean, how, how else do I affect change in my life mm. unless I start within? Mm -hmm. I love that. Um, um, and, and, um, and and step two mm -hmm. is is the clearing and the action mm -hmm, piece. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I have to tell you, I I love that you're very clear about um, we can we can attempt to manifest everything in the world with our brain. You know, mm -hmm. I can I can create an Amy point. I can say I want to write a book a year. Mm -hmm. I can say that you know I want to raise the most money for the nonprofit I'm involved with this year ever but if you just sit in the words of daniel mangana if you just sit sit on the couch and eat cheetos <laughs> that actually doesn't work does it nothing changes <laughs> and it's it's one of the things to throw a quick dangent in the works it's one of the things i find most hilarious i'll give you this quickly i was looking at i was on instagram and there was an ad that said why you don't need instagram ads to find your ideal client but it's an instagram ad <laughs> right right and so i laugh at the people who quote books or courses that they went through where someone went through the process of creating a program maybe did a facebook ad did a book went and met a publisher at least signed the agreement or something to tell them that they don't have to do anything in order to create what they want I don't understand how people don't catch that. Somebody went to the process of building an entire business to tell you that you, if you give them $997, you don't need to do anything in order to create your ideal life. You can just sit around and eat in Cheetos. And so I'm very, 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 and I've got um, quite a controversial, I did a couple of TV interviews on this, which was really interesting, a statement called Stop Meditating. But like, what do you mean stop meditating? Meditation saved my life. It's like, yeah, I didn't say don't, I, don't I said meditate. stop. <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> I, I didn't say don't, I said stop. As in, whatever that practice is that you do, it must come to an end so that you can get up off your butt and go and take some action. Action is, it's, it's the movement through time and space is how we even look to receive. Even if someone says, I'm going to win the lottery, you still have to buy a lottery ticket. And then even if, they do a direct deposit and you don't even have to move. 
what good is the money if you're not going to use it in three-dimensional time and space, which is going to require some movement through time and space. It's going to re require some action. So when are we going to drop this illusion, this delusion that action isn't a part of the process of creating the life that we want? And instead of falling in love with actions that feel expansive, that feel good, that we enjoy, that are purposeful, that are meaningful, so we're lit up about the action that we get to take every day towards our dreams. You use some language that I re that really resonates with me: expansive and joyful. <laughs> I, I, joyful is, you know, people choose a word every year, and I decided um, joyful is going to be my word every year, Amazing. going forward. Mm. You know, we. We've, you, sur you survived being a failure at suicide and I survived stage four cancer. I, I think joy is, um, is, is a choice, but you have to take some action to get to the joy, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I mean, again, so much of the action is, so much of what we're doing is unconscious, right? And unless we're doing something to trigger joy being the byproduct of what's churning out from the unconscious, then we're gonna keep getting what we've had. I think that, what, that Doing the same thing over again and expecting a different outcome is insanity. But doing something different, things can't stay the same. And that's going to require a movement through time and space to trigger those shifts in our physiology, in the chemistry in our body, in the hormones running through our body, to change what's going on in our brain, to shoot out a different experience so we can start having something different in our lives. Well, one of the things you talk about that I've also learned is that when you're going to imagine that different life, mm -hmm. I mean, part of the action, part of the, part of the one piece of it is that you have to imagine what you're going to feel like mm -hmm. when you achieve it, mm -hmm. because then do you start to train your subconscious to, 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 to know those emotions? I, I'm trying to think of what I heard you talk about where you said that, um, if, if you start your, if you live your day, knowing what the emotions are that you want to manifest, mm -hmm that's what your day starts to become. Right? Yeah, so um, I think what, this is one of the things again, and, and it's great that you use affirmations because a lot of people are using affirmations and not finding result with it, saying so affirmations don't work. And I think it's because they've lost sight of the fact that it's not the words. And I'll, I'll give you a quick exercise for the listeners to catch this. I can say, I hate you, bunny. I hate you so much. Did you feel the energy of hate? None. Therefore, there was no communication of hate. We are spending all of our time not recognizing that words are a medium of exchange of energy. The words themselves don't have anything unless the emotional, the energetic component is there. So affirmations, I'm wealthy, I'm healthy, I'm happy, I'm joyful. There's no energy that corresponds to those words, so there's nothing being communicated. Our inner environment doesn't respond to empty shells, it responds to the emotional context of. I look at my, my, my son's going to be one next week. And it's just been absolutely fascinating watching him grow because when he was a baby, I can say I love you all I want. He doesn't hear that, but they're still attuned to the spiritual realm. And so they're feeling the energy of the communication. And over time, as they grow, they start to develop the mental context to put behind the energetic imprints that they're receiving. And so our mind is operating the same way. It doesn't understand. It's not speaking English. It's not speaking French. It's not speaking Chinese. It's feeling the emotional imprint. So when I'm envisioning my life, if I'm not doing so, harnessing and claiming the emotional context, it's just going over the head of our unconscious. It's like, okay, great. That was a cool scene, but waiting for the instruction. I guess we're going to keep doing things the same. Oh, great affirmation. I love your French. Great intonation, but nothing's going to change. And then it doesn't change. We say this stuff doesn't work versus making a, I think it's Tony Robbins says making declarations instead of affirmations. He really steps into it and really embodies it and brings more. I just felt it then. The same thing when we're having that envision, really get passionate about it, feel the emotion, bring as many senses into it as possible, because that's what the mind is seeing, accepting, taking on and receiving as an instruction as to what actually is going to be created. And I want to give our listeners a tiny little example, because I think it's important for you to get for people to get that you can't just speak to yourself. You have to, you have to understand how it's going to feel when you achieve that. And early in my real estate career, when I was having to borrow money from people to, to keep moving forward, one of the things that I, my coach and I worked on, on me achieving was um, paying off my parents' mortgage. And he said, don't just, don't just use the words, talk to me about how it's going to feel. And we talked about, you know, the fact that they had struggled all their life and that they had been amazing parents, but not financially 
as successful as other people. And we, we talked through that. So for a year, those emotions sat with me. And at the end of the year, I can tell you that, and, and we did this as a family, but we paid off their mortgage and gave them back the deed to their house. Now that never would have, if I had just used the words over and over, it would have been completely different than if I had known for months how fulfilling it was going to feel to me and to them mm -hmm. to be able in their 80s to give them the gift of never having to make another mortgage payment. Mm -hmm. But I don't I don't think I'm like you. I, I mean, I know that the science supports the fact that until you I mean, I like that you say dream with your eyes, eyes open. open, right? Mm -hmm. Dream with your eyes open because um, dreaming is so powerful, mm -hmm. but you have to put your heart behind it as well, mm -hmm. right? And then your hands. Yes. Mm. Yes. And I wave my hands. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you have to go to work. Mm -hmm. um, so, so, but, but yours, the second piece mm -hmm. of your paradigm is that you do have to cut ties with the mental, physical, I'm sorry, the mental, emotional, and often physical baggage of the past. Mm -hmm. And the future as well. And the future as well, because, and I, I wrote about this in the book because the time of writing, and that book was a 10 year journey, but the time writing this particular thing, I was having a challenging time with the lady I was with at the time. And I started going off to think about a happy relationship. Oh, that person would have done that and blah, blah, blah. And, and it, I caught myself, I was like, oh, wow. In that moment that I was projecting into a happy situation, even, I was not present and available in my mind to do something about changing what was happening in the current situation. So it's not just negative. So baggage isn't always a negative thing. Even positive things, anything that's pulling us out of the present moment, which is the only place that we can create effective change, is what we're doing the work of breaking the bonds with during step two of Beyond Intention, which is letting go of the past and the future in any form that pulls us out of the now, the only place that we can do something different and create the future that we desire. And then we have step three gratitude <laughs> which is my favorite favorite uh, gratitude is interesting yes. because um one of the key things that created the change for me when i started to come to conscious relationship with what i'm doing what, what i was doing was recognizing that gratitude is not something that has to happen after the fact right i mm -hmm. just wrote about gratitude being a strategy mm -hmm. Every single day, Every single it's day. a strategy. It's mm -hmm. not a reaction. No, it's a, it's a preemptive. And I speak of it in terms of developing the positive expectation of what we want. Fear is, we could say, the counterpoint to gratitude. Both of them are going into the future to an outcome that hasn't really, quote unquote, happened yet and bringing the emotional experience of that into now so that we can develop the expectation that calls it into our experience. Fear, anxiety, we're going to a future that we don't want and bringing those outcomes to the, to the present moment. We can do that with gratitude, with something that we do want. You did it with your parents' home. You went into the future, you felt the experience, you embodied it of that experience of giving them back the title to their house. And then you were able to create it because your mind follows that expectation. That expectation shows up as the, the mental images, that silent, that, that low volume radio that's churning in the background, that's leading us into how we do react or how we do respond and the choices that we're making. When that starts to get wrapped in that strategy of gratitude, the positive outcome that we've got clarity on through the intention we've set, that we're stepping into with the power that we've claimed in step one, sky's the limit. Well, we could, we could stop right there, except... <laughs> <laughs> um, well, and I want, I, I have to read this line because I think it, it's important too. Our lives are a reflection of the things we have created by expecting them to happen. Mm -hmm. And we have the power over what that narrative can be for our lives. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a fan of Dr. Price Pritchett, who wrote a book called You Squared. Yeah, and he talked book. about quantum leaps. Love that book. And I've studied with him and, and he's very clear that we, you have to recognize that you can put the future to work for you. Mm. You put the you put the universe or whatever higher power you believe in, and I believe in God, but you put you you your brain wants to put those expectations to work in your favor. Mm -hmm. But you have to make a choice to see your life 
in that way. Mm, mm, mm. Is that a little too simplistic? No, I think it's beautiful. Convoluted? I think it's beautiful because, again, coming back to what we're speaking about with programs and intentions, when you're not consciously involved in that process, that instruction, that expectation is churning out from whatever program you're, 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 you're running on. But when we step up and set an intention, we're actually claiming back that power to choose what that is going to be so we can start the process of actually unfolding what we desire versus what we've just been receiving over and over and over again. Right. Because I, I said for years, I'm in survival mode. Mm. You know, I was a single mom. I was raising Johanna and her brother mm. and I was always in survival. Well, it just perpetuated itself. Mm. I was always in survival mode because that was how I identified myself and my future. Mm. And it was only when I started learning that um, I could re-identify what my future was going to look like. Mm. And you're, you're doing that on this huge scale with people with financial success mm -hmm. and um, just with seeing possibilities that they never saw before, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I just want to just dovetail right. on that just quickly because I think sometimes I've heard people not get upset but kind of say something about the fact that I focus on the financials. And it's not because I think that money is the most important thing, but first thing, it is the easiest medium of exchange to create more choice and freedom, okay? Everyone around the world, pretty much, unless we're going into the jungles of the Amazon, money's going to be what allows you to create more choice. So if there are things that you want, um, I think it's also important to recognize that the mental and emotional freedom to do the things that don't need money are made easier when you have the money to make sure that you have the mental and emotional freedom to actually go and do those things. But most importantly, in terms of like the BS tests of what I teach, when I take people through my five-day challenge, for example, where we get them to manifest $10 or more, you follow the formula, it shows up. It doesn't show up, we look. Did you follow the formula? Yes. Well, then I'm full of it. It's not legit. But we've now seen this with thousands of people to say that when you follow the formula, it shows up. So it's a way of quantifying whether the model works. Once a model works, you know, God didn't say, oh, with relationships, it's going to manifest this way. With health, it's going to manifest this way. With money, it's going to manifest this way. Things go from thought to form the same way regardless of what it is. And when you've had the physical experience of watching that happen, thought becoming form, you can then go and apply it to anything. So we've got a tangible, measurable way of training ourselves to create consciously. And then the byproduct is that we have the mental and emotional freedom and physical freedom, financial freedom to go and enjoy the things that do matter to us. I want to check out Money DNA because yeah. I'm, I'm going to tell you, um, I, I, was, I was raised with words that really condemned money, mm. that condemned financial success. Mm. And, you know, things like money is the root of all evil and people with money are never happy. And I had to learn how to, I had to unlearn mm -hmm. all of that language. Mm. I bet you run into that a lot in money yeah. DNA, don't you? And in my own experience, I was raised in a very conservative Christian household. Money is the root of all evil. Um, I gave my mum the money to pay off all her debts. She gave it to other people instead because she didn't want to have the money. And... <sighs> So yeah, there's, you know, I've, I've, seen, I've seen it and, and that's a big part of the work that we do with people when we're empowering them to create financial abundance. It's allowing that and recognizing that abundance is a natural state. It's not something right. dirty. Look at nature. I think it's, um, look at the flowers of the field, how they toy not. Is anything adorned as beautiful as these? You know, it's, it's the way that we were created to be, but we in our magnificent wisdom as humans have run away from that there we go and then you have the um your step four in your paradigm is listening mm -hmm. the reflection and observation which i think is a piece that people miss and i'm the queen of not wanting to take time for reflection, <laughs> I got to tell you, I'm the wor I'm still hurtling headlong into you know, 37 <laughs> other activities, mm -hmm. but um, I, I love this. No matter what voices you read, watch, or listen to, unless you learn to hear your hear yourself, you will not be able to identify where the weeds are to pull them up. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have to stop on occasion, mm -hmm. right, mm -hmm. and listen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's another piece of that too, which is that we're human. So we're not going to be switched on all the time. I think it's Maxwell Maltz in his book, Psycho-Cybernetics, and I'll never forget reading that book about 20 years ago. And he said this line that stuck with me. I don't remember everything about the book, but this particular line just struck me and I've always gone back to it. Guiding missiles don't go from point A to point B. 
they're always going off course. The guiding system brings it back on course, and we're the same. You know, we're going to have our quote-unquote bad days. But again, we're human. They're not bad days. They're just days. <laughs> Nobody's going to be happy every day. And anybody who says that, I run a million miles away. Nobody's got it worked out from start to finish. We're all human, having a human experience as contrast, as texture. But stopping and listening, taking time to be aware of what we're thinking and feeling allows us to course correct and get back on track. Because we will all inevitably at some point come off track. Well, I also like that analogy of the uh, moonshot. You know, the moonshot, those guys didn't launch from Cape Canaveral and get go directly to the moon. They went <laughs> off course, they corrected, yeah. they, and, and, and I know that's how my, my life has worked, especially, especially in the last eight years since I got well, mm -hmm. um, is, is that I, at least I know what my aiming point is. Mm -hmm. So you're not always on a straight trajectory to the play and, and, and sometimes your aiming point will change on occasion, mm -hmm. but you can't beat yourself up for not immediately getting, uh, getting to where you're going. And you said, you also had, I had a great quote. I really believe in this, that if you take small steps every day mm -hmm. to consistently make change, then that's where the real success lies. Yeah, micro shifting is what I we say call that, that concept. Correctly? Yeah, yeah, micro shifting is a consistent series of baby steps made in the direction of a consciously chosen outcome. So we keep chipping away, and it doesn't have to be something big. You know, the smallest action made in the direction of where you're going means you're going in the right direction. And some days we've got the bandwidth to go bigger, and some days we've got the bandwidth where we're just going to creep. But as long as we keep moving, pause and not stop reflecting, refreshing so that we can keep going on, staying renewed so that we can keep moving forward, no matter how small those steps are, even if we don't get all the way to our destination, we'll certainly be a lot further than where we started. If, if you were, you know, you, um, I, I, there are a couple of points that I don't want to miss. Um, mm -hmm. Oh, perfection. Perfectionism. Yeah. <laughs> we talk, I, I was like, oh, in fact, Johanna, who, run, who, who does a lot of my social media posts, did something recently on um, stop looking for perfection. Mm -hmm. I can't even remember how it was worded, but talk to us about getting past perfectionism. How's yeah, what's I the importance got, of that? <laughs> I actually got interviewed um, in Authority Magazine not too long ago, and, and I spoke about this. Like The idea of perfection I find really hilarious because generally speaking, we're setting us up to meet a standard that someone else has in their mind, which they probably don't even have clarity on either. So you've got the blind leading the blind with someone not allowing themselves to be held as worthy or accomplished because they haven't hit a destination that nobody's even set. Anyway, it's like running a race, but there's no actual end line and people are just dropping, you know, dropping out of exhaustion and then beating themselves up because they didn't finish the race. But nobody knew when the race finished because there was no predetermined outcome. So instead of searching for this idea of it being perfect, which doesn't mean that we don't strive for you know, something akin to perfection. It's mm -hmm. consistently seeking to do our best and give all of what we have and serve at the highest level with what we're doing. Serving ourselves, serving our loved ones, serving our clients, serving our communities, whatever it is, is have, have I given my all in terms of how I've chosen to serve these? Have I been intentional on in what that service looks like? Then I can rest and say I've done my job versus it's not perfect, it's not this, it's not that, my art isn't finished, which is a, it's a fool's errand in my opinion. And I could be wrong, but it's just my opinion. So how we, we talked at the beginning about how I, I really liked your blog post on um, how, to, how to put this to work in the best way in 2022. Mm -hmm. What are some, some real action steps that our listeners can take away besides finding mm -hmm. you, which I know they're all <laughs> going to want to do, but what are, you know, this, this, this afternoon, mm -hmm. in the next two weeks, what are things that people can do to get closer mm -hmm. to um, an empowered life? Do a complete audit. An audit of the people, places and things in your life. Which ones actually are triggering an emotion akin to what we might call joy or happiness or contentment? Something expansive. Where, are we, where is that expansion? And then start looking for ways to spend more time doing those things and start to and it's going to be systematic for some people. Some people are going to realize that their closest relationships or their career or the business that they said that they wanted to do or the mission that they thought they had is going to be that thing that doesn't actually light them up because they were listening to somebody else. 
that alone can take the whole year. This could be something that they can be working on for a couple of years. It could be a lifetime. But they will be moving and progressing towards something that's fulfilling, something that is actually purpose-led, something that is actually expansive. So again, an audit, the people in my life, who's actually appreciating me? Who's loving on me, right? Who only is available when they need something, right? Places, what places am I spending time? What's my, even just check your energy levels. Do you feel expanded and, and full up or are you drained and tired when you leave that space? And if so, why are you spending so much time there? Look at the, 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 the things, the things that you've been chasing after. Look at the, the last few things that you chased after as a goal. How did you feel after attaining it? Were you just burnt out <laughs> from the process? Or did it actually bring something? What is adding to you? The universe, reality is in flux. Whenever neutral, always expanding or contracting. Every single thing that we do is either adding to us or taking away from us. If we start to do this audit and take a look at what's in our life now and start taking stock of the things that are adding and dropping the things that are taking, are taking away, then we can start to develop more clarity on what we want more of or what tweaks we can make, what conversations we can have, what growth we can do. But that audit is a great way to wrap up the year and I think that people find it truly uh, truly rewarding to step out on the other side of having done that audit and having a decidedly more expansive adding to life rather than one that's just depleting and taking away from. Wow. That's good stuff. <laughs> um, because I, I, I don't know about you, but I really do believe that we are the sum total of the people that we give our energy 100%. to and that we spend the most time 100%. with. 100%. And you have to take a hard look at mm. that. Well, I, I, I'm, I really would love for you to come back because I think we have a lot more <laughs> sure, to talk anytime. about. <laughs> We'd love to come back. Um, and this is, it's, it's so exciting to talk about what your mind can mm -hmm. do. I can't wait to hear your TED Talk. When, do you have any idea when that is? Uh, I reached out to the organizer yesterday. They said it can just be a couple of days. So they, nice. so it, it could be this week, but I, I don't think it'd be any later than next week that we'll see it out. Well, we'll add a link. Oh so Amazing. that people can find Amazing. that Thank you. and um i'm gonna wish you happy holidays thank, thank you. you so much for spending thank time for with me. us well thank you so much thank you that's all we've got today friends i want to thank you for joining the life-saving gratitude podcast with your host bunny terry that's me and my producer and assistant johanna medina we feel like we're in the business of sharing the stories that save us, and we hope you'll share as well by letting your friends and family know about the podcast. Follow and like us wherever you listen, and please take the time to leave a review. Whether it's a stellar comment or a suggestion, we are open to suggestions all the time. Also, follow us on Instagram at LifesavingGratitudePod. You can also follow me personally at Bunny Terry Santa Fe. You can sign up at my website at bunnyterry.com to receive weekly emails about how to become the ultimate gratitude nerd. Thanks so much for checking in. <laughs>